Hi, and welcome to yet another episode of Podcasting is Praxis. Um, it's going to be, I think, a bit of a less fun, more serious episode uh, this week. Um, 2020 is is extraordinary. Um, the, the, the miles we pass, the things we see, it's... I, yeah, sometimes you don't even know what to say. Um, and in that context, we are going to talk tonight about what's been going on in the US, about Black Lives Matter, um, about what's going on in the UK, and certainly why the UK, despite the protests of some of our politicians and commentariat, are not saints when it comes to Black Lives Matter. So we'll talk a lot about that. So it'll be that kind of episode. Um that's because this is the world we live in today. Um, my name is Rob, and with me tonight are James. Hello, I'm James, and this is my first time on the podcast. So it's good we have some new voices coming in. Uh, we have um, Elijah, back from somewhere, <laughs> playing with the banjo. <laughs> yeah, I've been keeping busy. Uh, trying to keep myself entertained in 2020, which so far is the pineapple on the pizza of the decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And back with us for the first time in a long time, but we're very happy to see her back again. It's Natalie. Welcome back. Yay. I was going to do like a little funny intro thing, but you've kind of set the tone now, so I don't really think it's appropriate. But yeah, <laughs> it's me. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll squeeze some comedy out of this lemon somewhere, at least I hope. Just to sort of before we kick off, um, in, well, before we kick off, it kicks off, whatever. Um, <laughs> just to sort of at least for me, uh, Rob, as a, as a more personal note, um, I may not be like the most privileged um, upper middle class white man, um, but I probably come quite close. So I just want to acknowledge that while I hope that that I stand in, in, in spirit and in solidarity with what's going on in streets all around the world right now. Um, I will not pretend that I speak from a position of deep personal experience. I can only offer my support and thoughts. Um, that's the best I can do. Um, yeah, so there is that. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm in a similar boat uh, as as sympathetic and as painful as this all is on a basic human level, um, where we are aware that we're coming from a position of uh, quite a high relative amount of privilege. Uh, I myself am a am a very tall, very white, very Jewish man, uh, <laughs> and uh, as far as uh, experiencing racial issues, living in a city with a single digit percentage minority population. It's uh, it's just not something that you really confront in your day to day life. Um, so all we can do is offer offer support and good vibes and psychic energy from afar, <laughs> and of course unconditional critical support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, I am a dumbass white girl as well, um, and. I mean, as a white person, I think I can say with some level of experience that we fucking suck. Um, but I'm, yeah, trying to just do my best with this um, and figure it out because it's a never ending journey to kind of working out how to be the best possible support for black people and 
other minorities as well. I am part of the uh, fabled white working class. So by definition, my only interest is complete and utter racism on every topic. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you from Workington? Just so we so we can check. Unfortunately, not. No. Damn. <laughs> We've got valuable insights into uh, Labour's upcoming policy platform, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am from a town, so I should be a big Lisa and Andy stan. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, there you have it. We're, we're four white people, and we're going to talk about racial issues. Uh, this can't possibly go wrong. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. All right, so I think before we start talking about the US, um, really at the top, um, when we hope that people after that go awfully depressing introduction are still listening um we would really urge anyone uh, if you can if you have the financial resources uh to make a donation um we'll put a bunch of links um in the show notes uh natalie you want to talk us to them okay um so we got the national bail fund network which is an organization operating throughout america to kind of provide funding for protesters um who are kind of getting caught up all over the country um we've got reclaim the block which is an organization in minneapolis um that is kind of working to defund the police there and move that funding to more kind of community-centered uh, projects and then we've also got to have in the show notes um a card which um has been i think it's produced by black lives matters has got a whole load of kind of information in terms of places you can donate other ways that you can help other things that you can do to support um if you've not seen it going around on social media because it has been quite prevalent there uh do check it out and kind of see what else you could do to help yeah so please if you can um make some donations because as i'm hoping that most of you if not all of you are aware it's really kicking off um in the us so why don't we start there all right well it's been what eight days of uh protests it's been nine days since george floyd was murdered um earlier in the month on the 13th a woman named Breonna taylor was killed as well that was um, back in march actually but that was in oh Louisville, march sorry where, yeah march um, may yeah <laughs> they both started was... with m <laughs> Sorry, that's on me. Reading comprehension. Um, <laughs> and back in March, a woman named Breonna Taylor was murdered. Um, it's just been a long, long bubble of resentment stemming back from when the previous administration, during which the Black Lives Matter movement was founded, and of course, back into the uh, mists of time to the founding of the country itself, if you really wanted to pull that thread um, I'm, it's it's not really surprising that this is the sort of moment in time when it's boiling over. You've got thousands of people off of work without any income Million, support. Millions of them. It's its latest count is 30 million. I thought it's, it was 40 uh, million. Yeah, 40 million. It's Jesus Christ. It's Something it's, like 15%, isn't it? Yeah, and that's probably an undercount given that all governments screw with those statistics to make them artificially lower. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's... You know, if you count underworked yeah. people, it's, I would say, US, maybe 50 million people out of work, unemployed, looking underemployed. You know, Jesus yeah. Christ. It's the summer. It's warm. There's been no support. People are getting more and more desperate. It's prime conditions for uh, uh, for a Bastille moment, uh, if you will. Um, yeah. But so what happened? Basically, um, 
harrowing footage of a man named George Floyd uh, came out uh, where he, you've probably all seen it or seen images of it. He's on the ground. The cop's got his knee on his neck. Um, he keeps his knee on his neck for a further two minutes after checking for a pulse and not finding one. It's just the most vicious, brutal, violent, and like in your face, blatant uh, murder by cop. Yeah. And I mean, while while he's laying there dying, and it is just horrendous footage, it, he, he is literally saying, uh, I can't breathe, um, which is also how Eric Garner died in 2014. Um, so it's it's there's just direct lines that you can draw uh, from the one to the other, uh, and it's all the same thing. It is an absolutely uh, racist police set of circumstances um, that see, sees itself free and able to kill minorities um, and get away with it, even on camera. Mm. Yeah, it's also worth pointing out that while Derek Chauvin was kneeling on this dude's neck, um, there were three other police officers around him just standing and watching and doing fuck all to stop him. That's your fabled good cop that right there. That's yeah. what they do. <laughs> and it's also worth remembering that this isn't the first time that Derek Chauvin has been involved in a um, racially charged incident. He's been. He was responsible for at least, I think, at least three shootings. Uh, four prior to this. Four, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I, it's. I don't know how worthwhile it is to get uh, too much attention on the fact that he's like a super racist. When the real issue is that the entire police force is a racist institution and it operates in a racist and a violent way. If it wasn't Derek Chauvin, it would be someone else. Yeah. And, yeah. And oh, definitely. Yeah. Another victim, because the reason that you don't see police appearances at KKK rallies is the same reason you never see Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus in the same room. Uh, I've shamefully stolen that off Twitter so I don't remember who it was but you know who you are credit where it's due (laughs) but um, it's it's an institutional problem and what does that mean because I've seen a lot of democratic uh, governors and politicians and people in power who oversaw and were in power during the Obama administration when a similar um, set of circumstances occurred and we had a a lot of other protests and riots and a lot of outcry and the BLM movement was born. Uh, they've they've learned to use the right language. They talk about institutional racism, but all the solutions they offer are non-institutional solutions like sensibility training for individual police officers, right? Like and we need to hire more, yeah. more minority cops, apparently. Yeah, it's yeah. it's exactly, yeah. So what is institutional racism, I guess, might be worth going over a little bit, just for anyone who maybe comes up with an issue online where they'd like to explain what it is to someone or, the, or they want to argue a point because they can tell something's not quite right with someone who's calling it institutional racism, but offering non-institutional solutions. So for example, it's a wider socioeconomic issue um, that has, if you look at the drug laws, for example, black men find themselves or uh, sorry, black people find themselves in worse economic situations because the legacy of slavery carried on into Jim Crow laws and segregation, and they were excluded and disenfranchised from the main sort of economic benefits of capitalism that are reserved for a different demographic, for a different class. Um, And the issues of poverty, gentrification, 
even geography, even like where the communities developed because of where they were forcibly placed and not because of where they wanted to be, um, all end up combining in the fact that they're more vulnerable to unfair laws. They're more vulnerable to um, being um, abused by legal institutions and by legal power. And they have fewer uh, ways to defend themselves and fewer ways to exit that situation because it is a, that's what institutional is, where it's, it's not a single uh, point of conflict between yeah. the police and the black communities. It is the fact that black communities exist in a complete environment and structure that makes them so much more vulnerable to um, not just police violence, but um, healthcare violence. If you look at that, if you want to talk about the fact that the healthcare system yeah. in the US yeah. also kills people or and housing violence, yeah, housing and violence, educational violence, the fact that there's not enough provisions for all the basic things that you need to actually have a healthy and a fulfilling life. Yeah, there's, 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 I mean, it, I do think it's ex it, very important that because this is sort of, I mean, among many traps that liberals fall in because they just can't help themselves by wanting to check the bottom of every fucking pit um, is just to say, um, and it's a very familiar excuse and you'll, you'll hear it everywhere and you'll, you'll hear it here again is, you know, oh, this is one bad apple or maybe four bad apples in the okay. case of these cops. Um, it's not. It's uh, it's also the fact that many police officers, especially now uh, in the United States, but I think also somewhat in the United Kingdom, um, they are very often uh, veterans. Uh, they come out of the army. Um, the training they receive is not about de-escalation or about community policing or about essentially being a human being on the streets. Um, they are trained in violence uh they are trained in applying that violence they are given um permission by society to use that violence and in the case of the united states are actively encouraged to to use that violence and to mm -hmm. to do that in a way that i think it would it is so shocking that i i find it very hard to to talk about that that these people, the police departments structurally do not see the communities that they are supposed to protect as people. They see them as, as sort of natives to be civilized at best. And I do mean that in the colonial sense of the word. Yeah. I mean, what's the, the prime reason for the police to exist? What is their raison d'etre? It's to reinforce violently the interests and the protection of capital. That's, at yeah. the heart of it. They don't care about you. They don't care about communities. They don't care about people. They are there to protect capital, investments, and wealth. And the reason why it, stru it structurally affects black people more than other demographics in the US is because black people were used to create that wealth to begin with, and then further segregated and disenfranchised from benefiting from any of that wealth in later stages, um, sorry, in later periods of the country. Yeah. And yeah, I mean these are these are not um, new thoughts. Uh, you go back, you know, you can go back literally to the 17th century, um, where it, this is Adam Smith, I think, writing in the Wealth of Nations. Yeah, it, it is. Um, he 
he he, ready, he points this out. He says, it is only under the shelter of the civil magistrate that the owner of valuable property, which is acquired by the labor of many and many years, perhaps of many successive generations, can sleep a single night in security. He is at all times surrounded by unknown enemies whom, though he never provoked, he can never appease, and from whose injustice he can be protected only by the powerful arm of the civil, civil magistrate continually held up to chastise it. So he already... It, it, like you don't need to even need to call yourself a Marxist. Um, it, it is very explicit that the law, especially Western law, exists around this, the sanctity of property and the sanctity of contract. And the way that that is enforced in our society um, is through police action. And that ultimately rests on the monopoly of violence that the state has. So the police, in essence, are not your friends. I'm sure there's a nice beat, Bobby, somewhere around you maybe, but these people, by institutional design, are there to uphold the rights of property and the right of contract. Um, and those two rights, of course, weigh nearly exclusively in favor of capital and not the average citizen. Yeah, I think you've got to remember that on like an individual basis... A po- you can have a conversation with a policeman and they can be a good person. And... <gasps> what was that? It's a cough. No, sorry, it's a cough. <laughs> I thought someone like laughed. Um, yeah, you can have a conversation with a policeman and they can be a good person in that conversation. But at the end of the day, they will be forced to act within the structures and rigidity of their role and that role is to protect capital. Um, so at the end of the day, they're not going to be your friend, as you say. Um, and you look at instances during this protest um, that's gone over on over the last few days where you know, you've had police taking photo ops of taking a knee with protesters or marching with protesters. And then there's been many reports from many places of the same police turning around half an hour later and, you know, pepper spraying them or tear gassing them um, because that's the role they play in society and they can't exist beyond it. I saw a video of that brought up to like 11 where from the looks of the video, it seemed like a group of cops had taken a knee lured in protesters who were yes. taking a knee yeah. along with them and then tear gassed them right then and there, which is just monstrous, my God. Someone did say they have to kneel down to get the uh, tear gas canisters ready to fire. So maybe it was just a coincidence, but that's what it looked like and that's what the protesters thought. And I would not be surprised at all if it was a deliberate ploy. That, no. that so you have an, an inherently um, racist system um supported by the by the strong arm by the violent arm um of the law combined with pre-existing enormous economic strains and difficulties um and and social pressures existing uh, certainly in African American communities but any community of color um and you know at, at the risk of of you know, doing the all lives matter thing, also saying that this, this, this oppression is now starting to creep in essentially into white communities as well, because they're slowly starting to figure out that the law is just as happy to crack your white hat open because it 
capital essentially has no distinct doesn't distinguish between color um it only distinguishes between capital and labor um and you combine this uh, elijah as you very well said with a hot summer and climate change and a pandemic and no jobs um and the situation is completely ripe to blow up and it has and it has all right to be um mm -hmm. there is you know uh, uh, the people who sort of say, well, I support the right of people to protest, um, but only non-violently. You know, they always mistakenly use Martin Luther King or Gandhi um, to say the only change that comes is is through dialogue and sitting down together and breaking bread. Um, and these are the same and people who were having a go at Colin Kaepernick a few years ago when he was wanting to take a knee. You know, no matter what you do, your type of protest will not yep. be good enough. It's yeah. They'll only be happy when people are they, they prefer people to be quiet than for justice to happen. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I think a lot of people, um, especially what a sort of what we jokingly but also very realistically, realistically just call liberal melts, like they just want, like a they think everybody should be civilized. Um, and and sort of have have you know a, a dialogue of many syllables and be that's what the other important thing is is they don't want to see the problems and they don't want to see the repercussions of their actions I think in the end you know that as you say they just want everybody to be quiet and silent and civilized and they there is a belief that you know if we just move the racism dial from ten to seven. Um, through sitting down together that that will solve the problem or what if we just use um, what was Kamala Harris's deal again uh, you will get college loan forgiveness if you open a small business in a minority disadvantaged area and then I don't know do a hula hoop 150 times <laughs> yeah, it's 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 ridiculous I mean it that segues kind of neatly into why rioting with tangible physical consequences is the only way you can effectively uh, fight back and demand some change. If the police exist as the militant arm of capitalism, then anything that doesn't actually damage what they're meant to protect is going to be completely ineffectual and can be ignored and pushed to the side. And the overarching community behind capital will continue on unscathed. So I think we also should take a moment to talk about Donald Trump's reaction to these events because to say that they have been unhelpful would be the biggest <laughs> fucking understatement that I can imagine. Yeah. Um, he has basically just taken every step from the fascist um, playbook that he can. Um, you know, on the kind of last day of May, you had protesters in Washington, you know, right up against the White House setting fires in the guardhouse next door and Donald Trump spent the night hiding in a bunker um, the next day because here people were making fun of him. He had a whole load of protest, peaceful, important to say, peaceful protesters um, gassed and dispersed so that he could take uh, that photo up um, next to the church. You know, there was... Um... There was clergymen in the church. There yeah. was clergy people in the church that got forcibly kicked out so he could use it for his photo. Yeah, 
And yeah. uh, did the clergy get tear gassed as well? I can't remember. I think they so. Did, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, there was there was a um, a good read on uh, Rolling Stone. I'll, I'll link it. Um, it was more in relation to to the Corona outbreak, but I think it applies very much here as well. That that his symbolism in in using that church is very much um, also an appeal to the American sort of hard right evangelical movement, which is innumerably strong mm. um, and, and has a direct faith in in sort of uh, apocalypticism, uh, end time struggles, and they genuinely believe that they are the forces of good, led, you know, and that God will take them to heaven, and that they are in the end time struggle, and that the end time struggle is genuinely real and literally satanic, um, and that that is essentially represented by, you know, um, minorities, liberals in that hideous American meaning of the phrase, um, uh, CNN. That you know, there was a reason behind Trump's. You know, I mean, he he is mad as a you know, and and, and probably third stage syphilis or whatever that he's he's <laughs> rattling around his brain. But he has a very well tuned sense of appealing to his base. So like, this wasn't a, a completely random act. It looks like it to us, but you know, to to, to the people that he needs to turn out in November to get reelected, this you know. This is a real thing, and they will perceive it as such. Well, here's the thing. Um, I'd be wary of highlighting Trump beyond the um, sort of structural powers that he represents. Uh, some of our listeners might be a bit too young to remember the Bush administration completely, but... Um, uh, oh, God, wish I could. Ah, I wish I could forget it. Yeah, so you'll... <laughs> Um, my colleagues here might remember that George W. Bush uh, believed he was anointed president by God and that his military endeavors in Iraq and in the rest of the Middle East were part of the sort of hastening of the end times, right? This this uh, this right-wing yeah. evangelical American biblical thing. So th- th- this has been going on for a long, long time. Um, just because Trump is uh, saying the quiet parts loud and he's adopting all the imagery and the aesthetic that does... Um, let other people clock on to the fascist elements here. Uh, I don't know if a different president would practically do anything else. Obama also implemented a curfew, sent in the National Guard. Um, the behaviors... Tear-gassed people, yeah, yeah. hired mercenaries at um, Standing Rock. Yeah, yeah right absolutely. now the um, governor of Minneapolis... The Ferguson <laughs> protests where people were assassinated after them. Mm-hmm. Mm. The The reactionary movement within the government of the United States is going to do this regardless whether it's a Democrat in office or a Republican. Trump is just much more of an obvious fascist because he's too dumb to, you know, try to code it with the appropriate sort of 90s liberal kind of uh, uh, trappings and veilings. Yeah. Oh, and that's the scary thought that I have more and more um, sort of not just in the US, but it finds its expression most, you know, openly in the US is that um, it's fine. You, you know, it's just mask off time. And this is what we're going to do now. Um, and and it, you don't need to sugarcoat it with, with nice, niceness and, you know, flowery Obama speeches. Most people are too tired. They are too poor, too beaten down. 
uh, on the one hand, or they are too white and too comfortable and too wealthy to give a shit. Yeah. So you can just, mm-hmm. um, and and one of the the, the sort of the outgrowths of, of that, which is what we're seeing in the last two or three days in in the US, um, and we'll we'll talk about the UK in a bit, but I do think there are sort of worrying signs of the same, at least spirit, growing in the UK, um, where Donald Trump. Has and and members of Congress and and people on sort of the the right wing have are now very explicitly saying that it is time for the U.S. military um, to to come home and to intervene. And right before we started this this recording, um, there were pictures taken outside the White House of extremely well armed um, men with hoods on and. Uh, uh, bulletproof vests and military assault rifles uh, in a cordon outside the White House. And when asked, you know, who are you? Uh, who do you work for? They just say the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that essentially, like, we don't know for sure, for sure, but there's a very good chance that that means that these people are military contractors and that puts them outside the range of most sort of civilian oversight, um, yeah. military law mm-hmm. oversight, uh, that that you know this the occupations of and I think you also see it in the militarization of the police just merely in the equipment they have because so much of it mm-hmm. did come home from yeah. from the Iraq from the from the, the wars the, in the Middle the East six billion dollar budget for police departments yeah it, just ridiculous I think I saw on Twitter this afternoon that the city of St Louis um, or Louis if you're an American. Um, <laughs> It spends forty point five percent of its entire budget on policing. Uh, the, uh, Los Angeles just yesterday, after a kind of public meeting where the, the entire eight hours was for public calling in to tell them how much they sucked. At the end of the <laughs> meeting, they endorsed giving fifty four percent of their entire budget to the LAPD. Yeah, um, I, I want to wrap up this thought about fascism before we move on to the UK because. This thing about Trump, it has been rubbing me a little bit the wrong way. And I've seen people who um, uh, haven't said much about it, like certain commentators and certain public figures break their silence because Trump's sort of looked too scary. And now they're worried, oh shit, fascism is coming. Fascism is not this unique evil that has to come from one uniquely evil person who gets too much power and then does fascism. Fascism is a natural consequence of capitalism, more specifically of neoliberalism. Uh, fascism is militant corporatism. When you the, the 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 term privatization comes from Nazi era policies. The um, the the first fascists were used as strike breakers. They were used as armed militias for capital and for corporate business and corporate interest. Fascism happens when the hollowing out of the state and the welfare system and the actual society and community that people live in who were not uh, in owners of capital uh, get pushed too far to the margins and then react and fight back. Yeah. And uh, and then I, and, and, and then given by the state and by the capitalist class and by a certain rise of, of, of individuals, I, you know, I think there is a role for the individual leader as well. Um, you know, given the, the oppressed are then essentially told that, that the fault is not, with the ruling class or with capital, but that the outlet for their misery and the mm-hmm. cause of their misery is is the other, and the yep. other can be um, 
Jewish, it can be um, BAME, it can be uh, um, of, of, of a different gender or, or, or yeah. sexual expression, but there must be another that, that is responsible and that must then be destroyed. Yeah, but I'm not sure how that's going to play out because I don't know how successfully you can turn disenfranchised African-American communities against other minorities. They're pretty low in the pecking order as far as things go. I'm not sure if you could get them to blame no, no, Latin I'm, Americans I'm, I'm not... or Jews or something. I'm not saying you said that's what's going to happen, but in terms of historical parallels, it, it, it's, it's not always one and the same. But the point is, no, I mean, it is it is a disease. It is fascism is a white people disease. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, well hang yeah. on. I thought um, Italians were were POC. They they told me Nancy <laughs> Pelosi had to overcome her minority upbringing. Yeah, <laughs> fuck me. I mean, we'll just we'll, we'll move to the UK in a second. But I just want to add that you know, in a time like this, and you know, again, twenty twenty is is I can't believe it's like the so the 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 swiftness which which we don't just see events but like major events you know is so fast that i think we all have sort of difficulty processing and, and grasping on to to the fucking merry-go-round as it speeds up and up and up mm-hmm. um but remember only a few months ago um we were all told by 90 percent of the media uh, including the uk ones that you know the U.S. was not ready for a revolution. It wanted steady, steady, slow page, a slow change with, uh, you know, steady Joe Biden at the helm, who was going to bring back the Obama days, you know, and Bernie had to go um, because he was too controversial, and you know, Corbyn had to go because he was too controversial and he said the things that we were not supposed to say. So we got yet another fucking technocrat with Keir fucking Starmer <laughs> and they got the just dying chasm of a brain of Joe Biden, who in his, I think his latest remarks, he was in a church somewhere. I think this was one or two days ago. Is this um, the, the shoot them in the leg thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, God, he, yes. <laughs> he said, instead of... What the police should do is instead of aim for the for the chest, for the heart, what they need to do is shoot people in the leg because that's yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. Essentially what you're getting when you have to choose between um, Republicans and the Democrats is either descending into fascism with the Republicans or descending into fascism, but just a little bit slower with the Democrats. Pretty much, yeah. Exactly, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so it's it, yeah. I can't. I it, I find it, it, it like you know. I find again. I we all at the start we all said we we speak from positions of of ignorance and 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 varying levels of of privilege, um, but just even for just the speed with which things are happening and things are occurring is in the United States, but I think everywhere now is it's, Mm. you you know, this, it feels like a weird interregnum uh, where something's going to give. And I don't know what it is, but I, we can, this, this shit cannot, this economic system, this racial system, this, I don't know where this is ending, but this, this cannot end. It it cannot, it cannot go on. It's too, I don't, I, I can't. I don't know. I always think back to that Gramsci quote, the um, 
the old world is dying, the new one struggles to be born, and now is the time for monsters. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to see more of it before we see less. Anyway, um, yeah. we did... Now, see, I yeah. slightly disagree with that. I, I think we're more living in 1905 Russia. <laughs> this isn't the big one, but it's coming. We're... I saw someone online put it through. We're living through the 1960s race riots, the 1918 uh, Spanish influenza, <laughs> uh, and the and the Johnson administration all at the same time. Oh well, um, yeah. I don't want to live in interesting times anymore. <laughs> anyway, um, we did have a disclaimer at the beginning about our our painful whiteness. Um, we should also point out, just in case it wasn't obvious, we all live in the UK. We're all well. Um, well, well, well yeah, uh, apart from our resident Eurocrat or whatever yeah. it's called, <laughs> not at the moment. But we're all based in the UK, and we and our podcast tends to address things from a UK perspective, and we also talk about UK politics. Um, so the might be more beneficial for us to kind of move the conversation this way across the pond because there is stuff that we need to talk about here as well. I have been seeing from far too many people. A lot of fucking stupid comments about how the UK is just much less racist than the US. Fuck off. How <laughs> our cops are, you know, good old Bobby on the beat and they're all lovely and they, they, they shit off. rainbows and yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone have some hot takes that they've come across that they're just raging about? Get it off your I chest. I thought Natalie's fuck off was pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much sums up my sentiments. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, it's just like the attitude over here by, you know, people are exactly the same as pe- the kind of people who are supporting Trump in America, who are kind of t- t- turning the blind eye to our own sins because they don't know about our own histories. They don't know about what's currently going on on the streets in this country because mm-hmm. um, they're just willfully refusing to look at it. Yeah. How much uh, how much colonialism did you have in school in the UK? We had an empire. <laughs> so I dropped out of history after like year nine. So I didn't get beyond like the Renaissance years. So perhaps uh-huh. they would have told me about it afterwards, but I have no idea. Now, I did study history at university because I love studying such an employable subject. <laughs> but... Generally, the empire, unsurprisingly, doesn't come up much. Britain doesn't like to talk about its dirty no. secrets. Really? <laughs> my God. <laughs> I, had a, I had a conversation about this with my uh, my fiance, um, who's from, from the UK, um, about how she was taught history. Um, and it is very much like uh, William the Conqueror, 1066, a bunch of kings, mm-hmm. um, Elizabeth I, Golden Age, Shakespeare, um, Henry, one of the Henrys had a lot of wives. Um, we conquered the world. That was pretty awesome. Then uh, two, two world, you know, two world wars and one world cup, and here we are, and everything's do-da, cool. Do da So, can I ask a question to Rob and Elijah? Because obviously, yeah. you guys didn't grow up in the UK. Like, yeah. how much did did you learn about the British Empire at all in your like history lessons? Is that well, something you're familiar with? I grew, uh, I was a teenager, so I had middle school and high school in Switzerland, a country that I think is uh, one of the few ones that doesn't have a colonial, um, like a, a colonial foundation. Well, it was landlocked, so it would be kind yeah, of tricky. Kind of hard. We did, we did colonize all the money. Like that's, <laughs> you know, 
that's <laughs> that's the thing. Um, no, we didn't really do much. Our history was pretty much um, the Middle Ages, all the cathedrals, Holy Roman Empire, um, Renaissance, World War Two, and then World War Two again and World <laughs> War Two again. Um, it uh, didn't really look outside of, of of Switzerland and Italy that much. Um, yeah, no, we didn't really, but we didn't really have to care, you know, yeah. because it was Switzerland. Like, who gives a shit? That's fair. <laughs> I I come from a country which um, has it's had, I should fortunately say, uh, its own empire, um, and we were, from what I recall, at least taught that that was all actually pretty cool. Um, that the beginning may not have been cool, but that like towards the end, we were really doing our very best to sort of help, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 innocent, nat- like the native stereotypes. The white um, man's benefit. <laughs> yeah, 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 the, the, yeah, yeah the, the white man's burden, but not, you know, quite so explicitly racist. I mean, and in this sort of weirdly bizarre twist, I mean, I won't go too much into like the personal history, but um, I have the... the People in my distant family, um, in, in distant in terms of time, um, were sort of directly involved with colonial administration. So we did a section about the the part of our empire, and weirdly enough, like in the history books, were photos of one of my uh, direct uh, relatives from like 150 years ago, which with with my family's name attached to it, which was fucking weird. <laughs> The impression I get from speaking to British people here, whenever they do talk about history or, or what they learn, it seems to be that if they do teach them about the empire, it's that um, they brought trains to India. Um, they ended slavery. No mention of, you know, why it happened to begin with. Uh, and uh, they, they taught English to all the grateful uh, colonized nations of the world. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's, look it at all these wonderful f- things we gave you it, it doesn't fill me with confidence oh and they graciously decided to give Ireland back to the Irish <laughs> that that was a completely <laughs> impromptu decision made entirely <laughs> by the British government uh, under no yeah, duress as, as you do I'm bored here you can have it back <laughs> yeah. we never wanted it anywhere but yeah so um we're all laughing at the, this perception of the UK and its relationship with race. So maybe we should drop some facts. Natalie, do you want to take us through? Uh, yeah, yeah. A okay. Of truth so bombs. I, yeah. I don't want to make this too much like uh, like uni lecture or anything, but I do think it is important to you know, know about our history in these areas, particularly I'm going to talk about police brutality and how that affects black people specifically, um, just because, yeah, we, we need to know these, we need to have these in our minds so that we can know the impact that we have on mm-hmm. our black communities. Um, so police brutality against black people in the police, I mean, it goes all the way back to 1969 um, when we had the first prosecution of police for being involved in the death of a black person. Um, and when I say that's how far back it goes, I mean, that's just 
proven. Obviously, I'm sure there would have been a lot of, you know, police brutality before then that just wasn't being prosecuted. Um, but that's kind of like the first specific point. His name was David Oluwale. He was drowned in a river and nothing has really changed from then. Um, kind of going forward, there was... I remember from being a child in the 90s, the whole case with Stephen Lawrence. Um, if you're younger, you might not. He was a black teenager who was killed. There was a huge investigation where his killers um, kind of didn't get charged. There was then a later investigation which found that the police as an institution was institutionally racist in the UK. Which, you know, fantastic. At that point, you know, you think, great, the problem solved, isn't it? You know, it's plain failing <laughs> from here on out. We found the problem. Out. It's all we fine, We found the lads. problem. It's racism. Are you going to do anything about it? Nah. <laughs> and just, just to add a little spice to this, the police were also spying on the Lawrence family. Yeah. Because they were concerned they were too radical. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. form for that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so obviously we found this out and then did fuck all about it. Um, you've got other high-profile cases like Christopher Adler, um, Charles de Menezes. Um, Charles de Menezes was kind of shot by the police during the 7-7 investigation and none of his shooter was never charged. Uh, and guess who it was that made the decision not to charge the police that shot him? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm going to guess ooh. it's Dominic Cummings. Was it a forensic decision? <laughs> it was, and he had a haircut. Yeah. He had Did a he, haircut. He, it was... he forensically decided not to charge the, the the copper who forensically shot an innocent uh, man in the back. Yeah. Uh, Keir, Sounds uh, like a perfectly sensible decision yeah. to me. That's uh, oh, yeah, Keir Starmer, a... I take it, yeah? Just in case anyone anyone didn't didn't get that. <laughs> head of the, you know, head of the opposition and... You know, apparently most left-wing party in politics uh, decided that it was okay for an innocent, uh, I believe he was Brazilian um, man, to get shot, you know, just because. So, you know, that shows real great hope for where we are right now in electoral politics. Um, And then kind of moving forward to one that is kind of much more you know, prominent in my mind and probably James is and maybe you guys would have heard about Mark Duggan. Yeah, I was here when it happened. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. Yeah, his shooting preceded the riots in 2011, which was really the last big case of civil unrest in this country. Um, I was in my mid-20s at the time and sadly not politically switched on enough to really pay attention. Um, If you want a good laugh, compare what British celebrities at the time said about those riots to what they're saying now about the american riots oh yeah that's that's always fun i was uh, i was in university when this happened and i remember arguing um in one of my classes that direct action and like ta- tangible um violent rioting is more effective because i found a couple extra million that were sort of shunted towards tottenham and and some of the areas where the rioting was a lot worse after the fact as kind of a, you know, for like social spending and stuff, um, which in, in, in hindsight is like a very sort of kind of rules lawyery way of making <laughs> that very obvious point. Um, but I was in my first year, forgive me. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was really a big one. Um, I, I can't remember. I should, I should have done research on this, kind of like the particulars of how Mark Duncan got shot. He was accused of having a, of being involved in drug crimes, I think. And the police claimed that he was armed and had a gun in his car. So they chased him down, stopped him. And mysteriously enough, there wasn't a gun in his car, but there was one found in a bush about 30 metres away from uh-huh. his car. <laughs> and a, pol- a policeman ended up shot with a bullet that just happened to have the same ballistic profile as a po- as if it'd come from a police service weapon. <laughs> I, yeah, I really wish, like, communities would just stop planting these gun bushes. Like, they're just not good. <laughs> That's something for care. Less gun bushes. That's yeah. a platform for 2025. Um, Get Lisa and Andy behind that. Fewer gun bushes in our towns. Um, yeah. uh, but I, I do know that Mark Duggan was rampantly demonised in our media um, to kind of paint him in the worst light possible. Um, obviously, That's what... The the same thing happened to Shekubayo. This is the, the 2015... Um, case uh, this is the probably the most prominent one in scotland he was um he was walking home from a party i think um and the cops got a call from someone who had seen a dark-skinned man with a knife uh when the cops found him he did not have a knife on him uh, there was nine cops and they tackled him they held him down he died in custody later and after um after he died uh, none of the coppers were charged. One of them was exposed as being a virulent racist. Um, uh, but there was a slew of smear articles, ha- uh, like a- a- attack jobs in the papers about his character, that he was on drugs, that he was violent, that he was, you know... Um, uh, so he was clearly no angel then. Yeah, they mm. just com- they, they completely tried black, to... He was black, basically. Yeah. That's basically it. Um, it's been six years, f- five years, six years, uh, and we've just had a public inquiry announced on the 21st of May as of 2020, um, which I believe is a landmark in Scotland. There's the, there's never been a public inquiry um, called for because of uh, a death by cop before, I don't think. I might be wrong. Uh, but hopefully we'll we'll see some movement on that front. I don't know. This is still ongoing. This is recent enough that we um, might get something, especially with the sort of global attitude as it is right now. You'd hope so. Yeah. But I don't know. It depends. <laughs> like there's still, you know, it, we've kind of displayed that this is just a constant pattern just throughout time, but it's still very prevalent today. Um just an example of where I am in Bristol, only 1% of racism complaints against the police are upheld, yeah. which is ridiculous. Um, if you look across the whole country, um, since 1990, 1,500 people have died in police custody. Over 500 of those are black or other ethnicities but are minorities um, which obviously makes up a lot higher percentage in proportion than it does in our population and how many cops do you think have been su- successfully prosecuted for any of those deaths? I'm a guy in a well, little, given that yeah. it's 1500 deaths let's just say 1000 maybe 1200 <laughs> oh I mean go slower a little bit a lower a little bit lower a little bit lower 
I will be here all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's zero. It's a big fat yeah. fucking zero. Um, yeah, just just yeah to put that a little bit on the like context on that number because like I do th- always think that like fifteen hundred over thirty years sa- it has a weird abstract sound to it. Um, roughly speaking, that's fifty um, a year, and that's one person a week uh, dying in police custody somewhere in the UK. Um, and no prosecution is done because all of them are above board. Mm-hmm. Does that sound normal to you? Maybe think about what you were up to last week. While you were up to that, somebody else was dying in a prison cell. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, and, it's sobering. And I think it's kind of, it's not entirely related, but I think we'd be kind of remiss at this point, you know, talking about the treatment of black people by the criminal justice system to ignore what's been happening with the Belly Majunga death. Um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with her. Um, Not at all. Okay, so... Was that the woman where where some racist coughed in her face? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, she was a woman who worked on the tube. I'm pretty sure it was the tube. Um, kind of manning the travel gates and such. And a racist person just came along and was giving her aggro and coughed in her face. And he had all claimed to have uh, COVID-19. And she later died of COVID-19. And, you know, which should be at the very least an assault that you know you're giving someone a virus that is potentially deadly um but this i think there are laws on the books about this stemming from the aids epidemic yeah. when people yeah. did Absolutely. this on purpose yeah i believe as well there was a police officer in scotland who was spat on recently and his attacker got 11 months that's yeah, yeah I, I, I was gonna bring that up i think there was a guy in my city in aberdeen who was uh, charged and um and sentenced for some kind of assault related to COVID-19 and coughing or spitting or something. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because she's a black woman, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of, I think, you know, we've got a lot of protests going on at the moment around the country because, you know, in solidarity with what's happening in the States and um, her name's being kind of like very frequently thrown out part of those as well. Um, because she absolutely deserves justice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Britain's racist as fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, we've seen today, um, there's been large-scale protests now um, in London, thousands of people. Um, and we'll see how, you know, we hope, I think we can all hope not you know it's always difficult to hope for these things but there are things you can hope for and that that these demonstrations take root uh also in the uk and and really across europe uh, as far as i'm concerned and and cause a serious reevaluation of of these systems um and cause real change and i think we we can be honest here and also say that none of that change comes from uh going back home and uh i don't know doing shit on twitter like we all do yeah uh, it, it it doesn't come from only you know voting for the next uh person who only gives you platitudes um 
and and doesn't promise any real action or promises a reaction doesn't do anything and maybe last but not least it certainly doesn't ever come from buying nike trainers or broke <laughs> brands which i think has been yeah. one of the most appalling Wait, things that's come out of the last few weeks do you weeks. mean to say that if i don't tweet out a very tasteful pic of black white text on a black background that i'm not making a difference <clears throat> I, I look Natalie, I think whatever he personally, and that's just you, I think you always make the difference. So that's, that's... <laughs> well, thank you very but much. No, You're uh, very kind. No, that's a good point. Uh, corporations are not your friend. They don't give a shit. They care about money. If yeah. if if uh, if it wasn't financially beneficent to uh, for them to make these statements or do this superficial sort of allying with it, they would not be doing it. And a lot of these corporations are um, are probably hoping that you forget some of their like actual um, tangible mistakes on terms of like race issues and and, and racism. I think um, one yeah, example or, or I, where uh, if these are old companies where their wealth came from in the first yeah. place. I, just to throw out a quick example of that, um, you've got Amazon, you know, biggest company in the world, throwing out the whole, you know, we care, Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yet they're still selling facial recognition software to law enforcement agencies that are routinely used to marginalise and inflict violence on black people. So... Yeah, yeah. And, and yesterday they announced as well that they're going to stop paying the uh, two US dollar an hour extra, uh, like the COVID bonus yeah. that got people... To keep working the packages again those are i won't call them low skill because i think that's extremely offensive but those are sort of entry-level jobs that are not always held by minorities but there are there's a higher concentration there so they are saying you know at least in the us oh well corona's over you know back to work surfs yeah um there was also L'Oreal who put out a similar. Oh, uh, fuck L'Oreal! Yes, I saw this one. I love how Monroe Bergdorf just called them out on Instagram. Exactly, it was, it was literally fantastic. yeah. That was brilliant. That was. This was the yeah. this was the um, BAME rep who was sacked by L'Oreal for uh, yeah yeah um, the she, crime of being trans. I think it was. Yeah, she she was. It was like I think it was just like equalities, minority representation in general, and then she said that all white people have white privilege, and yeah. L'Oreal threw up her, you know, got pissy and fired her straight away. You know what really fucking pisses me off? Uh, and you mentioned the Twitter accounts and the the, the branding in the UK. This liberal class of fucking blue tick commentary at melt fuckers who spent a, quite a few years and rightly so absolutely um, enraged about Brexit and leave being this, um, uh, you know, white hot ball of racist rage. And I don't disagree with that. I think Brexit very much is a, a big racist issue in terms of the UK's relationship to racial politics. But these same people um, are the exact same people who are now turning around and trying to defend the UK's sort of racial uh, bona fides and, um, and status. People like Emily Maitlis, um, who was on the BBC talking to a 
community rep and she just sort of countered with oh but the UK's not as bad as the US like 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 how do you spend three years being like a liberal sort of commentator furious about Brexit and racism and then when the criticism actually starts getting closer to home about um, uh, failures systemic failures of the liberal British um, sort of state structure you turn around and start defending it the 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 cynicism enrages me absolutely and it's 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 why liberal politics is never going to genuinely solve these issues no matter what they say no it's because it's all performative it's entirely performative and and one of the reasons you know from from liberals and corporations is that the performative act doesn't materially impact them you know saying yes we should be nicer to be AME communities and no, the police shouldn't be violent. Like that doesn't cost them anything. Um, it doesn't cost uh, L'Oreal or PlayStation or any of these awful companies anything to say these things because it's it, capital, in this sense, capital is colorblind because it doesn't care where the money comes from as long as the money comes. And if the money comes, uh, if the money's, the, the volume of money is helped along by keeping poor people in poor areas and and excluding them uh, up until the moment it becomes a hipster neighborhood and you can push them out. That's the way it's going to go. Fundamentally, in this much is true, a lot of the capitalist class and capital itself doesn't give a fuck about color. Um, It only gives a fuck about color in the sense that the people who own the majority of capital are old white men Mm -hmm. of a generation and even now who just are structurally racist to begin with. So that's why there's a problem. It's not because money itself has a has a problem. Money doesn't care about your gender. It doesn't care about your race. It doesn't care about anything. It just, it's an important part, I think, of, of why we also can't s- sort of separate this the boxes and say, this is the racism issue mm-hmm. and this is the capitalism issue and that is the gender issue. These things are all extremely interconnected it's almost like life is intersectional yeah <laughs> who'd have thought <laughs> um considering we're talking about companies and like liberal messaging and money i think it's also worth throwing out that you know when companies are announcing they're making these big huge hope donations to like black lives matter and such like disney announced today that they were going to donate four million to the cause wow how much money did bill did disney make last year uh, oh <laughs> i don't even know billions and billions like number one it is a huge drop in the ocean of their kind of financial revenue but, oh, sorry, it's 70, 70 billion, just okay, to put it in so, perspective. I mean, I, I can't even do the maths on that. It's like 0.001%. So that's less than 1%, 1%, yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, massively. It's a thousandth of a percent. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, and also, these companies are getting tax incentives and tax breaks because on their charitable donations. Um, so essentially, you know, that money, they don't have to, you know, pay for that anywhere because they get it back in instead and essentially all it is is free pr 
for them so they get to look like they're good the same way the mm-hmm. you know any any rich person gets to announce a charitable donation yeah it's just reputation laundering so we're seeing a lot of black washing at the moment you might say in the same way that we saw a lot of like pink washing when yes. it was uh, yeah all the pink rainbow wi- capitalism pink for cancer it's now black yeah. capitalism oh sorry uh i I jumped over your point No, go there. on, go on. Uh, I, I thought you were talking about um, kind of like gay pride and the way that all companies all just like plaster rainbows on everything as soon as Pride Month's hit. But yeah, kind of like pink um, awareness for cancer and such as well. It's very much, um, you know, for similar kind and of And also theme. environmentalism has also been used in much the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm. A, lo- a lot of the fair trade stuff. Like yeah. Some companies make a big deal of that, don't they? Yeah, fashion as well. That's become a big thing as well in fashion. It's like environmentally friendly fashion where it's maybe like 0.1% of the outfit has been made in a friendly way, but the rest mm. is horrible. Um, Hassan Minaj did a great Patriot Act episode on that. It's funny. I can hear a Slovenian accent somewhere in the background talking about ideology. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you one company that's actually doing extremely well out of this who's you know again capital being capital uh, whose stock has shot up I think by a margin of 40% in the last five days and that's the company that makes tasers and body armor number yeah, no go up imagine number my good. shock number healthy no it's, it's it, yeah I, I think I think we could all yeah that that, that is important um when we were talking about the United States is to not just say it's about individuals, it's very structural to not just say, you know, Trump bad man, when he gone, everything solved. Um, it's also really important to say that the UK is also not a good place. Um, and that, I don't know, even if we got so sensible in tomorrow, um, you know, and he had a, he had a big, big commission staffed with the Trevor Phillipses of the world. Yeah. Um that you know, that that wouldn't solve it either because that's that's just I the wouldn't use Trevor Phillips as an example given some of his um Islamophobic comments over the years. Yeah, I mean I mean that well that's that's why I did use the example because he's Oh a prick. sorry. Um that that it, be extremely wary in the next couple of days and weeks about the Nancy Pelosi's and the Keir Starmer's of this world doing the performative thing where they say, well, we should have a commission and we'll do a study. Uh, um, yeah. And we'll, the recommend, we promise to look seriously at the recommendations, which... In like five um, years, we will consider maybe implementing yeah, one or two is, of these ideas, perhaps. Yeah. Exactly. So, right. And Nancy Pelosi is at the moment trying to get the uh, uh, leading a... Democrat sort of cooperation on a new increased budget for the police departments. Like right now, it's, it's, yeah. it's they're not even pretending. The Biden campaign is going to be fucking insufferable as soon as they figure out how to message on this. And it's going to be that Biden was Obama's VP. Uh, black people love him. They all vote for him in the primary and he's going to fix it and solve it. And we can all go back to 2010, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Um, for 2012 London Olympics. <laughs> yeah. But Biden and Obama together, that's the administration that started the fucking cages at the border. Black Lives Matter popped up under the Obama administration. Obama went to Flint, Michigan, and he pretended to drink from the poison water as like a sort of, you know, it's fine. We're here. We're taking care of you. They haven't done jack shit. He didn't do jack shit. He, it's, it's, the, it's the perfect example of like 
tokenistic co-opting of minority representation by capital to preserve its interests. He did worse than nothing. He actively made minority situations worse in the US. And the Democrats are going to run so hard on the identity angle and the representation angle to try and push Biden as the solution for um, fixing these structural issues in the US. Don't buy it for a second. Wasn't Joe Biden's first political campaign back when he started in the 70s all about you know, busing and the whole uh, coded racial implications of that? Yeah, he fucking gave a eulogy for, for Strom Thurmond, you know, like famous segregationist. Joe Biden is, 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 is not good on race and it, no, it, it, it infuriates no. me that the shamelessness with which people on the, you know, nominal progressive side or, or, or just liberals, I can just say liberals, fuck it, will, um, l- will pretend he is. I, I mean, fuck, you know, do you remember his, his solution for um, uh, uh, subpar vocabulary among children in black communities? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, because they're not getting enough funding for school. So his solution is you got to leave the record player on at night, man. So they list... So they hear words. Like, fucking dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus ah. Christ. Well, I mean, we're going to, I think after today's demonstrations, um, you know, we, uh, we're we going to pretty well find out um, what, you know, Sir Sensible and uh, Boris uh, have to say about this because we're going to get a lot of like shockingly bad platitudes while you can bet that like the the Pretty Patels are going to be Pretty Patels going to have a fucking starring role in saying uh. well I think people should be able to protest but we're also going to kick the heads in mm-hmm. uh, of people who demand actual change speaking of our government Boris Johnson said Black Lives Matter today <laughs> what a this is uh, this is the man who wrote about watermelon smiles and don't forget the bum boys as well (laughs) yeah um yeah i think the more you see how the structures of power react to this kind of uprising the more it becomes apparent that that the only way to to properly react to it is um with direct tangible physical and if necessary violent reaction yeah um if for no other reason then you might get to punch a fucking asshole in the face and that would <laughs> make sh- you feel better yeah just just to briefly like uh, you know uh i don't know if our editor's gonna let this bit through but if you must uh commit act of violence personally i would never ever you know ever encourage anyone to break the law please behave everybody we're all good citizens here yeah, I would never encourage the cool, cool and attractive crime of rioting. But if, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you see a break, definitely don't throw it at a policeman. But but here's the thing: the rioting isn't like a conscious decision, like like the, it was planned out and scheduled yeah. and, and yeah. they had maps. It's it's what happens when the hollowed out community pushes the disenfranchised members too far to the side. It's a it, it, it's a natural reaction of it. It's not good or bad in and of itself. It's just what happens when the actual breaking point comes and the fight back starts. And this is the fight back. If it's not tangible and it's not upsetting someone, if it's not interfering with the structures of capital and with the structures of power, then it's fucking useless. Yeah, they're not going to care. Yeah. No. This is the first time that your is actually, actually happening. Actually, you'll find it, it's all Russia's <laughs> fault. Oh, yeah. That's one of the narratives. They're trying to that's find a, ways... That's a very hot take I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to find ways to sort of shift the blame. One I've seen that I'm very upset about is this uh, 
this uh, sort of like half conspiracy theory that um, that um, instigators are leaving piles of bricks around suspiciously, <laughs> right? And yeah. that, so so. There's some weird footage out there, whatever. I don't give a shit. There's loads of construction sites everywhere. I, I wouldn't put too much stock in it. But what I find really damaging is the, the sort of hidden implication that if you pick up a brick and you throw it, you've now been caught out and you've now delegitimized your protest. No, the protest is legitimate even if bricks are being thrown. In fact, it's more legitimate for it. Right. This idea that it's a trap set by the police to sort of catch people. I mean, they did it in London during. Well, there are the definitely. Riots. Let's not. Yeah, sure. Let's not discount the, you know, many, many documented cases of agent provocateurs. Stuck oh, yeah. Inside yeah. demonstrations specifically to make sure that people's yeah. heads get. And I've in. seen plenty you know. of videos in America right now of cops you know, breaking into stores, smashing in their own cars and such to give themselves to cause. Sure, absolutely. And they did it in London in the student riots back in 2014, I think. Um, right. And that was that was literally yeah. bricks. That was like agent provocateurs disguised as student protesters throwing bricks into windows so that their pals uh, in the high-vis jackets could then kettle them and beat the shit out of them. If I remember like, rightly, they also set a bin on fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, Surrounded but, by about 16 journalists. But, yeah, so they're going to find ways to delegitimize the protest, whether it's... Uh, uh, secret instigators, mystery brick piles, Russian agents. But they do this all the time. Every single historical example of a successful liberation campaign uh, has depended on violence for it to be successful. From yeah, it's, India yeah, it, to it, South it, Africa to the fucking... Stonewall. It is, at some point, it does become about sitting down and negotiation but you can only do that and achieve the things that you want if you negotiate and sit down in a position of strength and authority you need leverage yeah you need leverage and the reason if you're at any way still confused about this the reason you know that the protesting and the letter writing alone doesn't do anything is the second iraq war which was the biggest demonstrations ever and all the nice libs were out and they had a lovely day out and nothing happened and everybody still went to war because the pol- the politicians made the correct assessment at the time is that these people are not invested and they are yeah. not willing to go um, so far as far as you can possibly do it. Or just mm-hmm. look at how much of Extinction Rebellion has achieved in their yeah. like, two if or the three fucking- years that they've been around so far. If the Guardian readers who are out protesting over Brexit, you know, set some shit on fire, they might have actually got some concessions towards a, di- a different sort of outcome. Um, but like, I mean, if you ask your sort of average British person what Mandela represents to them, for example, right, you're going to get the same sort of platitudes of peace and, you know, harmony. And he brought everyone together. Nelson Mandela was like, he he had up a... Um, a militant arm of the of the ANC. They fucking bombed um white businesses. Yeah, yeah. The ANC was not you know it was the, not the Oxford Baiting Debating Society. No. And our our leaders, the party that is in government, had a campaign where uh, young conservatives, some of whom are now in high positions of power, I believe including the, the Prime Minister, uh, proudly waved posters calling for um, Nelson Mandela to be hanged because he was a terrorist. Um, the, 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 the whitewashing happens. They want you to believe that history is a list of peaceful people who did nothing violent and everything worked out. Well, yeah, sat, because, sat down in nice chat. Because power structures are actually good and they will do the right thing eventually. 
right? Like the, the only reason why the fucking um, uh, peace talks with the IRA happened in the first place is because the amount of the 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 millions of pounds of damage that they caused by bombing empty um, office buildings in London uh, was enough damage to the structures of capital to finally bring the UK government to the table. That wouldn't have happened otherwise. Ah. So yeah, I think you know we 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 covered a lot of ground um, as we usually try to to do. Um, I think at least we 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 hope that with the limitations that we the four of us here have, we've at least made an effort to to sort of I don't know be education. I don't know is education the right word? But no. I don't know whether or not we've wasted your time in an appropriate <laughs> amount. Uh, I hope you're still listening. Um, I think we'll just leave it with some final thoughts. Uh, Elijah, anything you want to say? I, um, there's, there's a curse, right? When you have a uh, neighboring country that's a lot worse than you are, or when you have like an, an immediate sort of, um, sort of counterexample. Uh, I'm in Scotland. A lot of Scottish people think there's no problem with, with racial issues in, in Scotland at all, because we have England right next door, which has some very visible, um, much harsher problems. And a lot of British people will probably feel the same way because they have the US as a counterexample too. Um, it's okay to be mad about smaller scale things, right? Small countries have smaller issues. That That's just what's going to happen. They're not any less important and you shouldn't be like, you know, embarrassed or think it's not your place to fight for them any less than if it was, than if you did live in one of the larger countries with some of the more obvious issues. Um, uh, yeah. Look out for your friends. Uh, if you're white, try to use your whiteness in productive and constructive ways. If you come across a situation that looks dodgy, don't be afraid to intervene. You'll be fine, probably, unless you're in the US where they are starting to get a little bit handsy with um, pretty much everyone. Um, but yeah, uh, look out for your friends. Don't be afraid to do what you can. And uh, don't be afraid to be mad about any issue, no matter how big or small. All right, uh, Natalie. Um, yeah, um, shit's really rough right now, and there's a lot going on. And there's a lot of organisation going on to push back against it. Um, and I just think whatever you can do, whatever your situation is, do as much as you can do within your capacity to help. Um, I mean, there's protests being organised this weekend throughout the country. If you can, go get involved with them. Obviously, we do have a pandemic going on right now. If you can't stay safe and, you know, stay home, there are other ways that you can help. Um, you can sign petitions. You can write to your MPs, uh, particularly to kind of stop the sales of riot equipment to America. Um, you can donate to um, bail funds and such, like we said at the start of the show. Um, there's so much going on so many ways that you can help um that just please do um because we can't go on doing what we do and we've got to look after our black communities um because it's our responsibility we made this problem they didn't it's not their fault it's our fault we've got to clean up our own mess all right james um i don't have much to say to be honest um other than to remember that, well, 
when people bring up Martin Luther King and Gandhi, remember what happened to them? They were killed because they were they were they were seen as threats to the people in power. So people who say peaceful protest works are at best ignorant and at worst lying to you. That is my hot take on the issue. Well, that's a that's certainly a good one. Um, yeah, as as for me, um, I think I've I've probably already said too much. Certainly, given my own admitted pig ignorance, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think all we can I think right now, um, as Natalie says, said, it is about organizing, and it is also. Um, we don't know where this is going. We don't know where this is headed, but the only way it will go somewhere and head somewhere and take effect and bring about structural changes if you, where you can, where, when you can, as you can, is to literally be out on the street um, and fight for the change you need and fight for it in the face of tear gas and police batons and whatever they're going to throw at you because you the sitting down and the giving up is maybe the worst thing that we can do. Um, but I do think that there is hope. I think that things can change. Um, I, I still have endless faith in, in the capacity of no, quote unquote normal people to get together and figure out a better way to, to live together. Um, I think we have now more tools. I think the left and socialism has much more ideological programs and, and thoughts that we can now put into action than we've had in a in a very long time. Um, and in a very final last thought, I find myself encouraged, if nothing else, because I swear to fucking God, um, this movement has the support of both Logan Paul and Jedward. And what else can you <laughs> fucking ask for? <laughs> oh, I can't believe I have to stop hating Jedward. Fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it from us. Um, look, at, look at the links in the show description. Uh, donate when you can, uh, where you can. Um, you know where we are on Twitter, uh, at PraxisCast. Um, we'll see you next time, and we'll try to do some more fun-filled stuff. But hey, you just got treats from our um, Marvel Universe episode, so these are your vegetables. <laughs> Suck it. It's part of a healthy diet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, goodbye, everyone. everybody. Cheers. Goodbye. Goodbye.